Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Commuters Podcast. I am your host, Emily, and I am so excited to talk to you guys today about today's episode. It's so freaking awesome. Um, uh, today, sorry, trying to pass someone on the road there and so you know I've got this dirt road that I live on and so driving down it can be fun especially when you're a tiny car you got lots and lots of large trucks that drive the road and even though they're the large trucks and can survive the edges of the road a lot better than you they seem to think that you should be the one to move I don't I don't get it but you know it's okay I survived let's see where were we oh yes we are going to be talking about my personal hero, Harriet Tubman. Um, Harriet Tubman is an incremental part to much of the success of the Underground Railroad and just in general has a lot to do with the history of evolution. Uh, don't worry, I will go into more detail about her, but first, let us talk about how she became my hero. It's, it's really quite simple, actually, if I'm being completely honest. So, I was homeschooled for most of my elementary years. Like, um, I was, like, I went to kindergarten in, like, this private school, and then my mom homeschooled me my first and second grade, and then we decided to try public school again. So, actually, I went to a private school in third grade, and then I went to a public school in fourth grade, um, but just general, overall, I went through a lot of bullying, and so my mom decided it would just be better for me to be homeschooled. So, fourth through eighth grade, I was homeschooled um, through a private school, a private homeschooling company um, called Becca. And um, I and I loved Becca, but their curriculum had a lot of repetitive themes, as it were. And um, one of those repetitive themes was Harriet Tubman. Not that I minded. So. I can remember in fourth grade, I got a book. Um, it was like a little colored picture book. Um, it wasn't like quite a children's picture book, um, but it was um, kind of like a summarization of her life, a little bit easier for a younger reader to understand with various illustrated pictures of things that happened. And I can remember reading that story and just being like, totally awed by this chick who was just, I mean, totally badass. And it was funny because, um, every year my mom would take all of our supplies, like all of our materials and grades from that year, and she would put it in a box and then she'd put it in storage. So that way she could prove that, you know, she was educating us to the board of education. If ever they came around and said, are you really educating your kids? And each year she would be like, all right, let's put everything away. And the Harriet Tubman book would end up in the pile to be put away because it was technically a school book. And every year I would be like, uh, no, sorry, I wasn't done reading that. And every year we did talk about Harriet Tubman again, so it was relevant. But <laughs> I was a tiny bit obsessed, I'm not going to lie. And, you know, it's just uh, uh, fantastic. I'm, um, yeah, let's talk about Harriet Tubman, okay? So... Harriet Tubman was born Araminta Ross to Harriet or Rich Green and Benjamin Ross. Um, 
yeah, she was born um, to a big family, but unfortunately both Her both uh, Rich and Benjamin were slaves, and so the entire family was uh, slaves, unfortunately. And for that reason, a lot of the family ended up being forced apart. Um, yeah, it was just, okay, I better be careful or I'm going to turn this into a rant, and I don't want this to turn into a rant, I want it to be a celebration of Harriet Tubman, okay, uh, alright, so, um, Harriet's mom, Rit, worked at the big house, and her father was a timber worker, which I think that means he would, like, cut down trees to clear land for growing, I think, don't quote me on that, this is, you know, stuff that took place well over 150 years ago. Okay. As a slave, um, Harriet was put to work very, very early. Um, we were talking at like five years old, guys. Like, five years old. Uh, one of the first stories that a lot of people talk about in her life is, um, like at five years old, she was lent to another family as like a nursemaid. And like a lot of people use different terms like rented out. So I think what it essentially means is like the family was like, yo, I need a nursemaid. And then Harriet's owner was like, well, give me, you know, 20 cents an hour and you can have Harriet. And which is just ridiculous if you think about it. Like these people are slavery. Okay. Anyways. So, um, her job as this nurse paid was to stay by the baby's cradle and rock the cradle um, so that way the baby wouldn't cry. Um, and one day, when the kid cried, as you know, babies do, uh, Harriet was unfortunately ripped horribly for it at five years old. Okay, alright, moving on. <laughs> Uh, Harriet, or Araminta as she was known, uh, grew up and was, you know, lent or sent to different people for different jobs. A lot of them were, like, very manual labor jobs after the nursemaid thing, um, setting traps, plowing fields, that kind of thing. It, and Harriet said later on in her life, like, when writing her biography, which we'll talk about later, that she much preferred the outdoor manual labor to indoor housework probably because of what happened to her when she was five. Um, yeah, so Harriet, Harriet's, um, like, side for helping people kind of showed up in her early teens. Uh, in her early teens, she intervened in an attempt to stop a runaway slave. Uh, this person, unsure if it was a man or a woman, it depends on who you ask, some people say men, some people say a woman, uh, was running away and the overseer, and the overseer was like this person who was in charge of watching the slaves, making sure they did their work, and making sure they didn't run away. Uh, the overseer saw that this slave was trying to run away, and in order to stop them, decided to throw a weight at the slave. And Harriet stepped in front and intervened in this weight, getting to its intended destination. Um, I'm assuming this is like a counterweight because like we're talking like machines but pre like modern machines so if you like wanted to move anything up or down you needed like counterweights to move them up or down in like barns and stuff so I think that's the kind of weight it was. 
um, when, when Tubman stepped in front of it, uh, the weight like totally took her out and it caused some serious blunt force trauma on her head. Uh, but she was a slave, so rather than get her help or medical attention, the plantation owners just laid her out on a loom seat where she stayed unconscious for several days. And yeah, she was not the same after that. She would have seizures. Um, uh, she had episodes that were like similar to narcolepsy. She also saw like random like visions, like colorful visions when, when she was like, when she had her eyes open. Side note, uh, super inhumane what happened to Harriet Tubman. Uh, but I would like to point out on the other hand that doctors back then still had some questionable practices not their fault. They were uh, under-informed about the human body. It was not their fault. But sometimes I wonder if maybe it's not a good thing that she didn't see a doctor because who knows what the doctor would have done. Might have removed pieces of her brain. So, you know, who knows? We might have actually not had this awesome lady if she'd seen a doctor. Still, super inhumane, not excusable, but on the one hand, you know, good out of turmoil and all that jazz. Um, visions. These visions that Tubman ended up having after her blunt force trauma to her head, uh, well, made her incredibly spiritual. Um, she believed that they were visions from God, and oftentimes interpreted them in many, many different ways. She interpreted them, you know, like when she was ready to run away, she interpreted a vision as it's uh, time for her to run away. She ran, when she would meet people, she would say, oh yes, I had a vision of us meeting before this. I don't know if she, if she really was actually seeing visions from God or other, but you know, it, it made her fiercely, fiercely spiritual and that helped her get through her life. So also a good thing, right? Um, the guy who owned Tubman and her family had plans to manumit or, um, free her father, Benjamin, after, um, after he turned 45. So, um, manumission was like, oh, well, they've worked long enough and they've earned their freedom, kind of like Delio. Um, that guy died, but, uh, his son did, in fact, manumit, um, Benjamin in 1840, which is, like, good for Benjamin. Uh, he ended up, like, staying on the plantation and continued to work as a timber worker and, um, a foreman, so I don't know what he was getting paid or anything like that, but he stayed there probably because a lot of his family was there and he was a family man. Um, this, uh, whole thing, um, spurred, uh, Tubman into wondering about her mother's, uh, slave status as well, because I guess she probably thought it was strange that he would have plans to manumit one of her parents, not the other one of the parents. So she paid a lawyer to investigate the legal status of her mom. And it turns out that in fact, the, the, the after 45, she's manumitted thing, applied to Brit as well. Um, not only that, but the same thing applied to all of her children. So any children, and this is so freaking stupid. So any children born to a black woman at that point in time, their legal status in the world depended on whether or not she was a slave. 
So if she was a free black woman, then technically her children were born free. And if she was a slave, then all of her children were born slaves, which is so, oh, again, okay, history. Anyways, but now the, but now um, it turns out that in the owner's last will, he said that after 45, Rit was supposed to be freed. Her, all of her children born to her before 45 had the, were supposed to have the same thing. They were supposed to work for 45 years and then they would be freed. And then any children that was born to Rit after she turned 45 were meant to automatically be free. Um, which is like, I mean, like on the one hand, like it's kind of, on the one hand, it's like a nice thing that this guy, when he died, had, you know, like plants in place to manumit these slaves. On the other hand, why he didn't just free them while he was alive is a whole nother issue. Anyways, um, despite fulfilling his father's um, dying wishes when it came to Benjamin, Harriet's dad, um, he did not do the same for Harriet's mom, Rich, or any of her children. The entire family and the new owners essentially were just like, nope, we're going to ignore that part of the will and testament. And even though technicality, it was a legal thing and they were supposed to be legally free. Um, let's be honest, Harriet Tubman and the family had legitly no way of fighting this. Like, no way of fighting this. They, I mean... If she had gone to court over this, like, it would have been laughed out of court. And then when she got home, her entire family would have been punished. And who knows? They might have just re-enslaved Benjamin for good measure. Which is just so beyond ridiculous. But that's the way it was. <clears throat> Some people's kids. So, uh, slaves were not technically allowed to marry. There was no legal formalities um, allowing slaves to get married. They, you know, if they signed documents saying they were now committed to one another, that was not seen as um, an actual marriage in the eyes of any legal court system or, in fact, their masters. Um, that does not keep, that obviously did not keep people from getting married, as it were. Um, they had their own little ceremonies and they would enter into marital unions and though technically they were illegal in the lot in the minds of many of those who took these vows they were just as binding as if they had signed a legal document saying that they were now bound to each other forever um, and so in 1844 Araminta Ross entered a marital union with John Tubman who was a freed black man um, soon after marrying him, or maybe even on the day of marrying him, it's, it's unclear because once again, you know, she is unfortunately a slave, so there's not a whole ton of legal documentation around her. Um, uh, Araminta Ross changed her first name to Harriet in honor of her mother and changed her last name to Tubman, um, you know, obviously to match the last name of her husband. Um, five years later, in 1849... Harriet became incredibly ill. Um, despite everything that I read, it was unsure if it was just like sick as in like physically sick as in she might have caught 
you know, measles or something, or if sick is in like her condition revolving around her head injury got worse, unclear, but she got incredibly ill. Um, and her owner decided that he was going to attempt to sell her off before her value diminished. <sighs> Which is, I don't know sometimes why I talk about these things because I get so frustrated talking about them because everything that's going on is so wrong and stupid and it's like to think at one point in time people actually thought this was okay and and to be completely honest to know that there are places in the world where shit like this still happens is just boggling to me and it frustrates me and it angers me beyond belief and but you know I that doesn't mean I shouldn't talk about these things I just have to have a I have to keep it from becoming one of those stupid rants that people stop listening to because I said the same thing 18 times over um uh, Tubman obviously was not happy about this and the way that her um, owner was uh, treating her and the fact that he continued to enslave her family even though it sounds like part of her family was probably very much free. Um, eventually Tubman and her brothers came up with a plan, two of her brothers, because she has like a huge family of like eight or nine siblings, but two of her brothers decided to make a run for it. And so they did. On September 17th, 1849, that same year, they, uh, the three of them got together and they successfully managed to escape the plantation and for a while evaded, um, these, uh, slave hunter capturer people who would, you know, track down black people and, you know, return them to their plantation for a reward. What then? And to be honest, these people are just some of the lowest of the low because they would capture free black people and bring them black to plantations and say they were slaves, which is <sighs> humanity. Anyways, um, not long after leaving the plantation, however, her brothers uh, had second thoughts and both of them decided to go back to the plantation. Um, there are various reasons that are supposed we never actually get a full-on reason because Harriet didn't really talk about it until much later in her life again when she wrote her biography which was many years later so you know memory tends to get a little bit fuzzy but they returned and this forced Harriet to return to the plantation as well. Uh, Harriet however was not gonna just sit around on her bum and wait for another couple of people to decide that maybe they would want to try the freedom thing. She was like, nope, I'm going to escape. So not long after, she herself ran away. And she did successfully. She followed the path of the Underground Railroad. Oh, okay, so myth bust here. Uh, a lot of people say that Harriet Tubman is the mother of the Underground Railroad, and they kind of suggest the idea that she started the Underground Railroad. She did not. Um, the Underground Railroad was started by a large group of people, and Harriet actually used parts of the Underground Railroad to um, escape herself. That doesn't mean she wasn't a huge part of the Underground Railroad. She did um, help set up many safe houses for safes, and 
uh, safe houses for um, freed slaves and uh, you know she just kind of expanded the Underground Railroad network so she definitely did a large part for it but she's she didn't create the Underground Railroad so I'm sorry she's awesome but that the, but the but the credit for that belongs to other people as well um, yeah so she escaped made it to Pennsylvania was super excited and yeah just prepared to uh you know she didn't she didn't like stay uh, st uh st she didn't like stay static she didn't be like oh now I'm free now I don't know what to do like yeah like immediately she knew what her purpose was um you know she knew her purpose was to free others and to help others find freedom and safety and so um she started that uh, her husband, uh, John, was uh, not for her running away, and in 1851, um, he actually married a free black woman, which, I mean, to me, is like, wow. I mean, wow. Okay, so... You married a woman while she was a slave. And then she escapes and she frees herself. You could move up north with her. And now that she's free, you guys could legally get married. But instead, you're going to treat your marital vows that you took with her. And you're going to... Uh, um you know, treat them as, like, dirt and throw them off to the side of the road and go marry someone else because, like, your first marriage wasn't real? I mean, of all the freaking things, I mean, we got enough jerks in this world and now you gotta go out and do it. It shows you that, that people can be mean no matter what status their life is. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, but, you know, Harriet, she, she didn't let a broken heart stop her. Um, you know, she continued her strong work of going down and saving people. Uh, when the uh, Freed or the Runaway Slave Act of 1850 was, uh, was uh, instituted, um, uh, like, uh, like slaves that um, ran away from the plantation, it was allowed that they could be, you know, people could go and catch them in the north and return them back to their plantations in the south, which is just great, great act there that we passed there, government, people, politicians, many blood-sucking creatures. Anyways, so Harriet expanded the Underground Railroad up into Canada, and she made sure she made a lot of, she made sure a lot of people made it up to Canada to be safe because it was another country, and, um, I don't think they had slavery. I'm not sure if it was outlawed or what. I should have looked into that, but yeah, she, um, she made sure a lot of people made it up. Um, in 1861, um, the Civil War, uh, finally and fully underway, and Harriet Tubman was a big supporter of the Union. She thought that the Union winning was important to abolition, um, which, you know, she was not wrong. At the beginning of the war, General Butler 
declared any slaves leaving the South contraband or property seized by the North, and he put them to work in various forts, which on the one hand is seems kind of wrong and to be completely honest like they were still kind of like slaves as in they now worked for the north but on the other hand like now they couldn't be sent back down to the south like if a confederate soldier came through and said yo that guy belongs in the south they could be like nope now he belongs to the north which means that if evolution ever got pushed through you know they kind of you know didn't have to deal with the south which was nice but at the same time I mean they were still slaves it's not like he was paying them for their work which is you know, half a good deed, I guess. Um, but Harriet knew about this and she herself made her presence known in various camps around Carolina. They specifically mentioned Port Royal, Carolina and a lot of the different blogs and biographies will read about Harriet Tubman. And, um, while she was doing this, she met, uh, General Hunter who strongly believed in abolition, and I don't know if it was because he met Harriet or or what happened, but whatever, around the time that he met Harriet, um, General Hunter declared that any contraband, free. Um, yeah, so basically he's like, all right, all these contraband people whom we claim as, you know, property of the North, seized in wartime, you are now free. And then he said, hey, now that you're free, do you want to come fight? And he actually started putting together um, a black regiment of freed slaves, which is just totally awesome. All right, we got more to talk about when it comes to Tubman. However, I am at work and I need to go. So I will see you all in a couple of hours. Um, in the meantime, you know, sit still for five seconds because for you guys, it'll be five seconds. OMG, cheese and crackers, people. Okay, quick mini rant alert. Um, hey, when you're driving through a parking lot or you're driving in front of a store, could you please, and I'm begging of you, keep your speed limit down. I was just crossing in front of Lawn and Garden at my store on my way out to my car when this dude comes around the corner at like 70 miles an hour and about near hits me. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was more than clear when I started crossing the street at a pedestrian crosswalk, by the way. And then he's just like, like looking at me like, what's your deal? Why are you so upset? I don't know, because I almost got run over. Almost didn't finish my podcast. Sorry. Rant over, people. Please be kind and considerate and be safe when you're driving. I mean, gosh. So, let's see. Where we left off? We left off in our podcast about Harriet Tubman. Um, yes. Oh, yes. I remember now. General Hunter had just declared that all the, um, that all the contraband, essentially, you know, runaway slaves in the North, were now free and then started to create a black regiment, which is pretty darn cool. So, um, yeah, obviously big moment in the civil war for a lot of, um, runaway slaves and, uh, something that Harriet personally stood behind. Um, it was at the beginning of the war. And so Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, our presidential president was not 
ready to enforce um, abolition or enforce emancipation on the South. And so he um, actually kind of like punished Hunter. Like I didn't get any specific details about what happened to Hunter, but he kind of got in trouble. And Lincoln was like, you shouldn't have, you know, declared all those, you know, runaway slaves as free now that they're in the North. Um, and Harriet was not happy about this. She was like, he's a great man, he's a smart man, but I can tell him that he's going to have a problem on his hands until he releases and, you know, frees the Negroes in the South. And she used an analogy of a snake curled up on a bed floor and how the snake will bite you, but if you call for the doctor who treats care of the snake bite, but the snake's still there, the snake's just going to bite you again. So the only way to make sure that you actually survive is to kill the snake and then have the doctor take care of you, essentially, was the analogy. I don't have the exact wording here because it was, it was a good analogy and it was long and you guys should look it up. But that was her analogy for um, freeing the slaves, of, of freeing the Negroes and enforcing um, emancipation. And I can't, I can't disagree with her. I would like to point out something historically speaking that I think people miss. A lot of people um, talk about the Civil War as if the only purpose of the Civil War was revolving around the freedom of slavery, you know, like getting rid of slavery. And while that did end up being a huge part of the Civil War, it wasn't the only part of the Civil War. In fact, when the Civil War started, it wasn't even the main part of the Civil War at that point in time. It was a side... Um, a side project that became very near and dear to everybody's hearts. The main reason that the Civil War actually started goes like this. So, um, obviously, about 80 years prior to the Civil War, we had been um, we had freed ourselves from uh, the British government. We had freed ourselves from British control and that all that jazz. And um, you know, we set up free trading. Because we didn't want, because England was very particular about trading and tariffs, and so we had set up a free trading. Um, the South took full advantage of these free trading opportunities, and in fact, even kind of undercut American economy because they knew that if they imported their goods, their tobacco, their cotton, and so on and so forth across the pond, as it were, they would get higher prices. And so they were. Shipping most of their goods out of um, America and over across the way to make more money, which is, you know, was quite legally something they were allowed to do. However, this did undercut the American economy because now the North was also paying double for imported goods because the South wouldn't sell to the North. The South was just selling to the highest buck. And so the Congress ended up trying to impose tariffs on the South and on trading to stop this and to promote inside trading amongst the Union. And the South wasn't happy about it. And that was honestly one of the key moments that kind of started the major, major, first off, internal congressional battle that ended with states succeeding from the Union. And amongst 
the battle for the tariffs and the taxation and all this jazz in the South being like, we should be allowed to do what we want to do. Like, it's not fair that you guys are taxing us because we're making more money. That's what we were against in the first place. That's why we freed ourselves from England. I mean, not wrong, but at the same time, you know, things. So, but then um, abolition and emancipation became a huge side part of that in the Civil War. And so, yeah, just a brief history lesson for you. The Civil War, while very much about slavery and had a lot to do with slavery and obviously went a large part in emancipation and the final ending of slavery, it, we, we didn't just go to war to end slavery. There was way more politically to it. Give me just a second. I'm going to pause this and get myself a coffee. Okay, I'm back. So, oh man, I've done gone forgotten where we left off. Oh, yes, okay. Um, hello. Sorry, my phone automatically connects to the, to the car and then it plays music and I forgot. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, so let's see. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, said that hunters shouldn't have released the slaves. We had our quick little brief history lesson about the Civil War and why it was about more than just slavery. Okay, which means we should be moving on to, um, let's see. Oh, yes, 1863 and the Emancipation Proclamation. So, Obviously, Abraham Lincoln did believe in emancipation and abolition. At the beginning of the war, he wasn't ready to enforce emancipation upon the southern states, but as the war continued and it became very clear that the South wasn't really going to budge on anything, they managed to pass the Emancipation Proclamation in Congress, um, and so this would declare that, you know, everyone was free in the North, that there would be no such thing as slavery in the North, and it, you know, therefore, if the South was to um, actually be subdued, the same would be said in the South. Harriet Tubman, upon learning this, 100% behind the Union, 100%, and really threw herself into helping the Union um, fight and win against the South. So, um, what she did was um, she um, would. Uh, she, uh, she like lended herself as a guide to scouting parties because obviously through her years of working with the um, Underground Railroad, I mean, she worked in the Underground Railroad for like a solid decade prior to the Civil War. So during that time, she became very well known with um, how to get people through different areas without being seen, so on and so forth. So she lent herself as a scout and she herself was um, actually a spy for the... Um, for the union. So because of her status as a black woman, um, she automatically was considered a second class citizen in the South. And most people assumed she would just be a slave. She would, um, make herself look like as an old elderly woman. So most people wouldn't even think twice about her. And this allowed her to get inside, you know, Confederate camps and get inside Confederate towns. And she would learn about Confederate movements and Confederate plans, and she would bring them back to Union and be like, yo, this is what's up, let's go. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Um, also, on June 2nd, she guided three steamboats up the Combehe River 
I think that's how you say it, Combehe River. And she conducted assaults on various plantations that, you know, were along the borders of the Combehe River. And, you know, it was like a whole thing. Um, you know, they would steal, they would like set fires to plantations and steal uh, product and stuff that the union needed for supplies and so on and so forth. And throughout all of this, they, the entire like whole military uh, scheme together, this entire thing that she led ended up freeing like over 700 slaves from plantation owners in the South. So that's pretty darn cool. Um, this also hailed her as the first woman to lead a military assault in the Civil War. So that's also pretty cool because women didn't really lead military assaults and black women definitely didn't lead military assaults but here she is going let's go my brothers let's free this union and it was it was pretty darn cool um yeah can you see why she's like a personal hero i mean this chick is badass i love her so um tubman worked in the union well until the civil war was over it was she 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 devoted she was a nurse um, she would sell supplies, she would, you know, scout, she would have breathing parties, she was pretty darn cool. Um, at the end of the Civil War, she ended up going back home, so she had, um, land in, um, Albany, I think it was, and, um, here on this land that she owned, it was sold to her, she had her parents, and she would take care of her elderly parents, she, um, bought land adjacent to her home. She bought more land. She established a nursing home. Um, they call it the Harriet Tubman Home for Aged and Indigent Color People. That's what they called it. She started that. So it was like a nursing home for, for older um, African-American peoples. She, uh, she like continued to speak out about equal rights for the, for, you know, for the colored man. And she, was a vocal supporter of suffragette movements. She was a very active and vocal person well into her, um, uh, active and vocal woman well into her aged years. Um, at some point in time, after the, after the, after the Civil War ended, she ended up marrying a freed slave and veteran of the Civil War named Nelson Davis. Um, they adopted a young girl. It was pretty darn cool. Um, side note, a lot of places were like mentioning that Davis was um, 20 years younger than Tupman. And I don't know, maybe it was just me, but it felt like it was kind of like a, oh, scandal. He was 20 years younger. But I mean, I don't know. I'm over here feeling like, get it, girl. You deserve it. I mean, you worked hard. You get yourself a young man, you cougar. That's just probably me. <laughs> um, in this time, um, after the Civil War, uh, before her death, Tupman um, actually ended up working with Sarah Hopkins Bradford, and she had published her first authorized biography, which is entitled Scenes in the Life of Harriet Tubman. Um, Harriet Tubman was actually illiterate and remained illiterate for most, I think, all her life. Um, but that didn't stop her from being a 
a spoken out woman and she her and Sarah worked together to write this this biography about her life which is pretty darn cool you guys should check it out if you ever can um yeah in 1913 Harriet Tubman um eventually died of pneumonia she was estimated to be around like 93 years old so yeah pretty crazy awesome woman guys i i gotta say that i love i love harriet talman and every time i visit her story i just i learn more and i end up getting inspired all over again you know like when i grow up i want to be as cool as harriet talman you know like i know bars like really really high but if you don't shoot for the moon you won't land on the stars right <laughs> um that's all for today I hope you enjoyed that history lesson. Um, quick question. Who's a person that you incredibly admire in history? Who is a person you admire in history? I want to know. You can reach me on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email me at lifewithme at gmail.com. That's L-I-F-E with E Amazon Mountain Amazon Y E at gmail.com. Let me know who your favorite historical person is, and you know, maybe we'll talk about them. It'll be pretty darn cool. In the meantime, everybody, remember to stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and have a wonderful rest of your day.